You're listening to Flipping the Barrel Podcast, a women's perspective in oil and gas. We are your hosts, Macy and Jamie. And our mission here is simple, to bring you the untold stories of this industry. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another podcast. Thank you again for tuning in. Today, we're super excited because we get to interview Ronnie Pranik. She's a global CFO of WOM, Worldwide Oil Field Machine, here in Houston, Texas, a privately held family-owned oil and gas equipment manufacturing firm with more than 3,000 employees operating in six locations around the world. The process she has implemented during the course of 15 years of experience have led the Global Oil and Gas Corporation to grow to more than $350 million in revenue annually. As a leader, innovator, philosopher, and creative, Ronnie has found the strength to reinvent herself in order to overcome challenges in her personal life as well as in her family's business. Ronnie will be launching her book titled Seven Letters to My Daughter in 2021. We're really excited to have you here today, Ronnie. Thank you for tuning in. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here as well. Well, it's been a long time coming as we've been trying to schedule this podcast, so we're so (laughs) glad we finally got to make it to this point before you left for India. So on that note, why don't you tell us a little bit about what life was like growing up as Rani and where are you originally from? Right. So born in India, but raised here in the United States in Houston, Texas, which I call home. So I really get the best of both worlds. That's awesome. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about what life was like growing up in India? Well, I did not really grow up in India because when I was a baby, I was brought here to Houston, Texas. And this is really where I was until I was in high school, graduated from Lamar High School. And then I was married in India for about 19 years. I lived there. And then in 2007, I came back to Houston, Texas, which again, I call home and kind of reinvented myself again in 2000. Let me think now, 14. This is where I stand today. Nice. Can you tell us a little bit about your father's business, which for the listeners is he created WOM, right? Worldwide oil field machine here in Houston while you were a young girl. And can you explain a little bit about like how he started it and a little bit of your perspective as a young girl seeing your dad build this business that you are now CFO of? Absolutely. So this is like the joy story of my life. When I was about two years old, I saw my father really start to develop this special process for the oil and gas industry. So he's a hardcore scientist and really understood metal science. So as I watched him progress, sort of, he started a company in 1980, but really the processes of his expertise started when I was two. So I saw him work in a small garage with three people And then kind of like, you know, you fast forward 40 years later, where we sit today, we are a company that has 3,000 people with 15 locations around the world, but really did see so much commitment and some of the values and culture that he's been able to instill within the company. I'm just so happy to be able to kind of take that torch and now lead it forward. Awesome. What's interesting about your story is that, you know, you were part of him building the business from a very young age. But, you know, after high school and after you graduated, you didn't necessarily straight go into running the business with your dad, which is, you know, probably something that maybe most kids would have wanted to do. You took a completely (laughs) different path, which is you went back to India. Right, right. So just like you very well said, I did grow up in the business, which meant, you know, kind of follow mom because she was involved in, you know, her husband's business and then be the backroom accountant, do the filing over summer get an internship when I was in high school. So yeah, definitely very involved 
in WOM growing up. After I graduated from high school, you know, just life sort of happened and I got married in India where WOM was then sort of put on a back burner for me because in India, culturally, you know, you once you get married, you belong to the husband's family and whatever the husband's family is going to do, you're a part of. As I had my first child in 1993, I realized that, well, wait a second, I want to be part of her life a little bit more. And just to make sure that she's okay, because India was still new to me. And I designed and developed a dance school. It was funny because as I started getting more involved in her school, I realized it's an all-girls school, but these girls aren't free to express. They don't, they're not comfortable saying what's on their heart or on their mind. How can I help? And that's where the school got created called Isha, which was called the Indian Search for Harmony Through Art. And later on, I changed the Indian to Integral Search. But really for about over actively for 11 years, that was my passion. Complete dance leadership, mentorship, dance therapy. Started off with girls, but I guess the style of teaching and facilitating for leadership empowerment caught on so well that it started blooming for young adults, for young corporates, for housewives, for deaf children, for juvenile delinquents. I mean, it really spanned across the spectrum where I had no idea it was going to blossom the way it did. But I was super proud, and that, that definitely was a, was a highlight of my journey. Yeah, when we first talked, you know, that real surprise, Mason and I, we were like, wow, you know, your dad had this huge oil field business, and then you end up running a dance school for 19 years in India, and when that's not very many women to actually start their own business. I actually remember you saying that you were a trailblazer in India, being <laughs> one of the one, being one of the first women to actually do that. How did you navigate a new business in India with no prior experience and you know kind of having those walls, I guess, against you? Because I mean, it was a, a new territory for a woman owning a business there. That's true. You know, one of the things I realize is as women, especially culturally, coming from India we're kind of up against these assumptions, right? That you're a woman, you're probably a little less than, you probably don't have enough experience or enough confidence, all these sort of preconceived notions, right? So even while growing up, I kind of knew that these were some assumptions and they didn't bother me. They became sort of like just noise on the side. And if this was a passion, if this was something that I wanted to pursue, I just kept moving forward, (laughs) regardless of what people thought they were going to think about me. Wow. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you mentioned, which is one of the reasons you wanted to start this dance school is because you noticed that young girls weren't allowed to express themselves as much as maybe Mm -hmm. men. Do you think you noticed that mainly coming from the US where maybe you were allowed to express yourself a lot more as a woman? You never really noticed a difference. But when you went there, you realized like, oh, wow, there is a difference between what guys can do versus what little girls can do. Absolutely. You know, growing up here, you know, you're in school, you're allowed to think a certain way, you know, you've got projects and you're collaborating with your fellow students. You're allowed to speak your mind, right? And in India, even though it's not a backward country, culturally, there has been quite a little bit of a difference between, you know, men and women. So there's a stark difference between the expectations from a woman versus the expectations of a man. Gotcha. And what's really cool is you've shown, you know, to your whole country and all your family that, you know, now you are CFO and eventually will become CEO, which must be, again, trailblazing, really cool to see a woman Indian CEO. So I think, you you know, you've paved the path for a lot of younger girls. So I think that's really cool. We know that you decided to reinvent yourself at 40. 
after coming back to the U.S. and taking on a bigger role with your father's company. Can you explain on how challenging that was? Because all of a sudden, all these years later, you're 40, you're literally going to press restart on your life and change what you've known for the last 19 years of being involved in dance, being in India, and then all of a sudden you're going to come to the U.S. and become an executive in your dad's oil field company. Can you explain right. a bit of how that, like, what that felt like? Oh, absolutely. So I joined my dad's company in 2007. And when I decided to sort of reinvent myself, which was I needed to know what I didn't know. So I wanted to get into a school, got an MBA from Rice University. And all this happened when I turned 40. The first thing that I was told was, you're too old. You're a woman. You should probably stay home and take care of your kids. So kind of like the regular, you know, general talk of what, what's expected from a woman. But it didn't bother me kind of kept going forward and I was able to apply so much of the knowledge that I learned from university, from my peers, into the business itself, where gradually in 2016, as I started to just, you know, self-teach, self-train myself, travel the different locations, understand what their problems were, it really made a difference. And I'll tell you what made the difference is I didn't come in as someone who wanted to take the leadership position. I came in to say, how can I help? How can I partner you? Let's do this together. Let me shoulder you. Let me understand your pain. And let's try, let's try and see how we can overcome this and make the business easier, more enjoyable, something that can improve the quality of your life. So really in a nutshell, whether it was a dance company for me or whether it's a corporation that serves the oil and gas industry and now actually overall the energy industry, it's about how could I help? to improve the quality of life. And really that's what helped me to come into sort of this leadership position where people started to acknowledge that, oh, well, wait a second, she's, she's helping us to grow. So this turned into something which they could conceive as their own success, which became the company's success. Mm-hmm. And this is where, really where we sit today. And so when you came back, did you know coming back that you were going to do this? Were you like, okay, I might be 40, but I am going to come back. I'm going to help run my dad's company. Like, was that on your mind coming back from India or did that just happen when you did come back to the U.S.? It really was not on my mind. When I came back from India, it was, it's sort of a personal decision. You know, things happen again. I'm not married anymore. Things were so much more different. I couldn't just start from scratch with two girls by my side. I had to find a way to stand on my feet. So honestly, I knew WOM. I grew up there. So what I said is it said to myself is, well, if I want to help improve the quality of life, then, well, this is a great platform for me to do so. And that's why I kind of stepped in. I started off as an HR manager. I never knew that I was going to climb to where I am today and people would accept me for who I am today and really sit in that sort of CFO transition to CEO role. Never knew. <laughs> That's really amazing though, just that you took that risk and you came over and you did that. You know, one of the other things we talked about was through your experiences, you know, you've, you've worked in many different cultures all around the world. You've talked to many different people. You've realized and seen different human reactions and behaviors that you believe, you know, shouldn't be taken personally. And you've noticed that people sometimes do where things can get, you know, out of context and then people make assumptions based on, you know, different past maybe cultural issues. Can you talk about how you overcame that and your advice to people who might be feeling that? Sure. So, you know, culturally, things have been passed on for years and generations. And with that being said, not much logic is applied 
to a behavior. Really, it's not. It's just a way of life. It's a way of thought. It's a way of behavior. So when some things are said out of a cultural context, it's not personal. It just has so much to do with history and sort of like an unknowing, if you will, or the lack of an awareness. And not, not on purpose. It's just no one ever really took the time to say, well, really, why am I thinking this? I think as women, if we gain that insight that people are not treating us as a sort of like through a personal perspective and they're just doing it through a cultural perspective, and sometimes it may not be the case, but for the majority of the times it might be, then it helps us to just give those people a little bit of grace, a little bit of wiggle room, give people the benefit of the doubt so that we can continue being positive. You know, it's easy for women to step into these negative spirals of, oh my God, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not worthy enough. Maybe I shouldn't ask for that raise or that title. But as long as we know that some of the things that are being sort of thrown at us or implied to us are cultural, then it doesn't affect us anymore. And really that was my mindset going forward is that it was the awareness that it's not personal. Just keep going forward. That's really awesome. I completely agree with what you're saying, especially because with like a lot of sometimes negative connotations, it does come with culture and like giving them the benefit of doubt that that's all they've ever known. That's where mm-hmm. they grew up. That's all they've been told since they were kids. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they mean it, like you said, again, personally, but you just have to understand culture. So I think that's really mm-hmm. awesome and definitely something that we could all learn from. You mentioned when we spoke to you that you created a program within WOM to help support women grow within your organization. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why you started that? Sure. So this is a program called the Women of WOM. And this is for all of the women employees across the globe and this was started really just to give them that a platform for speaking up right it's a platform for speaking up knowing that yes we do belong to a male dominated industry that they're not alone that we can be empathetic to each other there's so much to learn from each other as women because we do we do have different challenges in our life we have a different set of responsibilities that we that we feel feel pulled towards So this is a platform really built for all the women of WOM and to help them grow within their career, to help them become leaders and to really help them achieve whatever it is that they want. I'm a big believer that as we live life, it's not just about us as an individual, but it's how we connect with the community, whether it's our family, whether it's our company, and also how we connect to what our social giving passions are. So all of us have a heart. All of us at some point want to give in some shape or form. And I believe that all these women have the power to do that. So if they can continue with this sort of connection with who they are in connection to the community, in connection to the environment, in connection to their social passions, then they can live a whole life. And that's what this whole program was formed for. That's really inspiring. I mean, having a program like that within your organization, I'm sure has helped many women. And I think it kind of leads the path for, you know, other companies to have something like that as well. So thank you for sharing that and sharing, you know, what it's done for WOM. So when it comes to building confidence, what's your advice for women in the industry? You know, they can apply to their everyday life, but also to their corporate life, you know, where they work on how to keep that confidence up. And I know that you wrote a book kind of around this, so <laughs> I'm sure you're an expert in it. But just for our listeners, I think it'd be really great, you know, to, to end on a note on, you know, how to keep that confidence and how to build it. I love that question. And yes, my book, Seven Letters to My Daughters, is really about that. And the beauty of being a woman is that we are continuously changing. 
as a woman, if we can embrace those changes of moving from being a girl to a sister, to a lady, to a woman, to a wife, to a mother, there are so many roles that we are able to play being women. And if we can embrace those changes, whether it's physical change, whether it's emotional, spiritual, philosophical, any of those changes, and if we realize those changes are coming from a place of awareness, and that we understand who we are within all those roles, that helps to build confidence. That helps to understand who we are. The greatest asset that we have is our ability to accept change, and that actually enhances our confidence. Because once we do that, we can excel in every stage and phase that we are in. And the moment we excel, we are confident because we know that we have merit, and we know that we can stand on our feet no matter what else is going on around us. And guess what? We're ready for the next change. We're not scared because now we know what change looks like. Very true. Can you talk a little (laughs) bit about the title, Seven Letters to My Daughters? And how old are your daughters now? And you have two, right? Yes, I have two. And now they're in their 20s. So I've got 28 and 20, both girls. Awesome. (laughs) So yeah, what do the seven letters have to do with it? And are they working with WOM or no? (laughs) (laughs) Well, two great questions. I'll answer the first one about the book. Seven letters actually is a, so as per science, we are changing every seven years. And I realized that even in my life, I changed my role every seven years. And now I'm at about, I'm going to turn 49. Well, here I am dating myself, but 49, which means I'm in my seventh cycle of my seven years. And therefore there is one letter for every seven years. So seven letters Mm -hmm. to my daughters. That's what this whole title is about. So there's seven roles of being a woman. And what the lessons of love, life, and leadership that I learned from that have brought me to where I am today. And I wanted to give this as a gift to all the daughters of the world so that maybe I can help to make the quality of their lives a little easier. That's truly beautiful. I really like that name too. That title is awesome. I can't believe it hasn't been taken already. That's an amazing title. (laughs) And then my older daughter, she is the executive director for our family foundation. Our family foundation, Veronica Foundation, was established 20 years ago by my mother. And it started off with a residential school in India on 27 acres of sustainable land. Later on, I expanded that vision to the United States where we're deeply involved in HISD schools and programming for Houston, also Texas. And now the third generation, who's my daughter, is going to expand that to all the different locations that WOM has. So really making this a global sustainable education effort. Wow. You must be really proud. That is awesome. (laughs) Yes, I am. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Rani, and telling us about your story. It's really incredible, everything that you've done. And I think you're one of the first guests that we've had on that really reinvented themselves at 40, which I think is so inspiring. And outside of this podcast, I have heard that a lot where people are like, I just restarted my life at 40 and 50 and I'm so young. I mean, you still have, you know, your whole life ahead. And I think (laughs) Like you said, it's you're never really too old. It's just a thing that people say, but it's really all mindset, right? So it's really cool to have seen that you almost had like two different lives and then you just restarted it. So it gives us all hope that if we want to ever change our lives, like it really never is too late. So absolutely embrace every bit of it. Yes, thank thank you you so much. much. We appreciate it and thank you. Thank you so much. Be number one in 21.